0: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
1: Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD35.
0: We don't move in our own direction. We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, Serious Doctors for Serious Injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with
2: Philly Lieber. One, two, three,
0: four, five.
3: Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT as we come on on a Saturday night in the Delaware Valley about 58 minutes, 56 minutes until they tip it off uh, and the process becomes reality. The 76ers making their way back into uh, the playoffs. We hope everybody around the Delaware Valley, the City of Champions, the City of Winners, uh, enjoys this run uh, by the 76ers and a great show and a great lineup tonight. And of course, Lou Ager is in the studio. And Lou, as J-Doc describes you, you're a firecracker, a fireplug, <laughs> so when you're in the studio, I encourage the listening audience uh, to settle in, get the popcorn, and enjoy the broadcast. Hello, J-Doc. Hey, uh, Joe, it's great, and you're right, Lou is is
1: a, a big-time entertainment, we'd love to have him uh, as part of the broadcast, and, and Lou put together an awesome show, uh, we got Congressman Brendan Boyle. On at, at the beginning of the show, and and lots to talk about there. And then Madeline, Dean, uh, you know, she'll come on at seven thirty-five. So a lot of great stuff to talk about. Good Lou, job, Lou.
3: Lou, let me come to you and give you a chance to give me some opening uh, thoughts. President uh, of the Philadelphia Metal Trades Council, just one part uh, of your long distinguished. Title, uh, Give me the rest, and then I'll remember it for the rest of the broadcast.
4: Uh, I'm business agent, lawyer, and organizer for International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 542, and I'm also the Democratic ward leader in 21st Ward, manioc and Roxbury.
3: That's, my, that's that's our ward, so we, we we love Lou. He's the best. All right, good stuff, and nice to have you for the full hour uh, on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, presented by Weinerman Payne & Wellness, powered by Pond Lahaki, fueled by our good friends at the Sinesta Hotel and we're driven by Chapman Ford programming reminder one week from tonight Pat Eiding will be with us uh, for the full hour Pat the president of the AFL uh, CIO let's jump right to the uh, right to the hot uh, hotline uh, Lou I'll give you a chance to introduce our next guest or our first guest uh, rather uh, of the night
4: uh, I think our first guest is Brendan Boyle noted congressman noted Philadelphian has roots going back in Philadelphia since his birth Um and a champion of working people and of issues that working people care about. Nice talking to you, Brendan. How you doing this evening?
0: Hey, it's great to be with you guys, and thanks, Lou, for the uh, the invitation. You know how highly I think of you and uh, your career, and always appreciate the longtime support and what you've done for working people in this city and this state. So great to be with you guys.
1: It's definitely good to have you, uh, Congressman. And uh, So there's a lot going on. You've had a busy week. Um, And so uh, I know Lou has uh, an important question once you ask, but I'd like to to just talk to you real quick. Uh, I want to talk to you about a tweet um, related to uh, the potential uh, obstruction of justice uh, situation with uh, President Trump. Talk to us a little bit bit about it, because it's gotten so much attention across the country.
0: You know, guys, a typical day in Washington these days has enough breaking news in it that in an ordinary time would be like breaking news for an entire year. (laughs) Um, I mean, we have the situation with with Syria, which, of course, is a matter of war and peace. We have everything that's going on in terms of domestic politics, in terms of the issues like uh, Social Security, Medicare, biggest tax plan to pass, unfortunately, in 31 years. But then on top of all of that, we have the potential for a constitutional crisis, the likes of which we haven't seen since Watergate. And, um, you know, I'm someone who does not believe uh, that impeachment should ever be taken lightly. I'm glad that it has only happened a a couple times in our nation's history. I think that regardless of who wins, even if it, you know, is not uh, the party of your choice, that we have to respect the will of the voters and, and shouldn't look toward impeachment unless it is absolutely necessary. Well, if we reach a situation in which President Trump fires the special counsel or fires Rod Rosenstein, frankly, functionally, that's the same thing. If he fires Rosenstein, it's essentially the same as firing Mueller. It would be to obstruct a criminal investigation, and not just any criminal investigation, one that is literally directed him and his White House. If that were to happen, it would be exactly what President Nixon did in what is dubbed the Saturday Night Massacre in October 1973. Uh, You saw the Judiciary Committee hearings begin after the Saturday Night Massacre in 1973. You saw the first uh, impeachment resolutions occur then. It was warranted then. It would be warranted now. So I say with real sadness that if the president were to do this, if he were to interfere with this criminal investigation and fire Mueller or fire Rosenstein, I would carry out my legal and ethical obligation and my obligation to the Constitution, and not just vote for impeachment. I would introduce a resolution of impeachment that day.
1: And your and and that and that tweet has been getting uh, it's it's been getting national attention. I think Rob Reiner just like the tweet um and this is such a you know we're talking about obstruction of justice uh and i think you know literally speaking um you know like you said this hasn't happened since potentially uh, since watergate um your thoughts on whether you think trump is 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 actually going to go that way
0: i hope he doesn't um i hope that um my tweet and what some others have said, like Chuck Schumer uh, and a few other colleagues, I hope uh, that that no, Excuse yet. me,
1: not to mention Republicans. Yeah. Republicans have yeah, said the same
0: true. thing. That is true. Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley, there have been several Republicans. Now, if, by the way, if the folks, my Republican colleagues in Congress, who for the last year and a half, by and large, have had spines of jello mm-hmm. when it comes to Trump, uh, if they could, instead of just saying that it would be the wrong thing, join with me and join with Democrats in Congress and pass legislation to protect the integrity of this investigation, that is one way to ensure that the investigation will continue no matter what President Trump does. There have been a couple of different pieces of legislation introduced, uh, each of which, by the way, have lead Democratic and Republican sponsors. Um, Tom Tillis, the Republican senator from North Carolina, I know is a lead Republican on a bill um, with a senator from from Delaware, Chris Coons, which would protect the Mueller investigation, make clear that if the president were to fire him, um, it it would be immediately reviewed by the courts and then within 10 days, uh, provided Mueller wasn't fired uh, for cause. Um, Mueller would be real reinstated and investigation would continue. Look, the bottom line is we need to make sure that this investigation continues to its natural conclusion and that whatever the facts are, whatever the evidence is, that is revealed um, and then all of us can, can uh, draw a conclusion based on the evidence.
3: Congressman Brendan Boyle joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Congressman, do you think... Or in your assessment, would you say that the investigation is moving forward? Would you say that it's following the path that uh, you expect it to take?
0: Well, you know, it's tough to answer that because we know so little about what Mueller has so far found. To his credit and to the credit of the people who work for him, that uh, whole operation has been remarkably leak-free. If you remember when Papadopoulos was indicted, no one even knew he was under investigation or frankly had ever heard his name until that morning that he was indicted. Um, We do know at this point right now, I believe the total number currently is 19 individuals have been indicted so far, including a, a number who have already pled guilty as a result of the Mueller investigation. So already it has led to a, uh, quite a number of, of indictments. And then, of course, we have the Manafort situation um, still left to, to play out in, in the courts. We have the person who was the deputy campaign chair uh, of Trump's presidential campaign already uh, be indicted and plead guilty. So we know already that it's not just smoke, that there is fire there just based on what is out in the public what we don't know yet is all that Mueller has uncovered and that he hasn't revealed yet um and, and that's why it's so important that this investigation continues
4: yeah hi brandon slew um I, I i realize that that this is a very important issue about trump and and his his uh, um, ignoring the law ignoring the will of you know the people but I think at this point the Democrats have to come up with something, and they're not you. I'm talking about more like the National Democrats, a better idea than "we hate Trump, we want to get rid of Trump," because that's not a, right. that's not a way to govern, that's not a way to run, and that's not a way to building a lasting um, uh, governing coalition. And that brings me to my question. And um, we saw what happened with Connor Lamb, where Connor Lamb was a was a, uh, a nuts and bolts, kitchen table infrastructure, um, the kind of of Economic issues that that people like me sometimes think, and and I'll tell you that that on on most social issues I'm probably as progressive as anybody, but I don't really care for the way that sometimes the social issues crowd out our economic issues, our economic issues over a fair day's wages for a fair day's work, uh, income inequality, infrastructure building, uh, prevailing wage, and all the things that, that built the middle class in this country. And I was going to really talk to you and ask you, what do you see as the best way for the Democrats to put everything back together between the social issue voters, the economic issues voters, and, and to build a, build a vibrant middle class and to have for, um, build a governing coalition where the Democrats can, can look out for the rights of working people and the interests of working people?
0: First of all, what Lou just said, I hope everyone listened to because he's exactly right. You know, we we have a an obligation to the Constitution, an obligation to our laws um, to be active when it comes to uh, protecting the investigation into President Trump. But it would be a colossal mistake if that was all that we focused on. We need to be able to chew gum and walk at the same time. Um, I formed it as you may. No, remember, Lou, the Blue Collar Caucus. I do right after the November 2016 election to focus literally on exactly what you talked about because you know I happen to be um, you know, very much in line with the Democratic Party views on most social issues. Um, like you, I do not believe that this is an either-or. Um, you know, these when focusing on the economic issues or focusing on the social issues, these things are not mutually exclusive. But I came to conclude after November 2016 uh, that, unfortunately, some folks in our party, particularly in elite circles, were focusing so heavily on the social issues that they weren't even talking about the economic issues. And as a result, a number of folks who would typically vote with us ended up uh, abandoning, uh, abandoning our party and that we needed to recalibrate um the nice thing about Connor Lamb's victory is that uh, he kind of the can- he and the campaign he waged kind of proved um, exactly what I've been saying and exactly what you just said, Lou. So I, I believe that for the 2018 midterms, uh, it needs to be more like Connor Lamb and needs to be more on exactly that theme. It needs to talk about the fact that as much as Donald Trump, tried to, you know, he's a great salesman. Give him credit. That's how he built uh, his his business career. I mean, he's completely full of BS, but he's very good at being a salesman. Mm -hmm. And he convinced, unfortunately, a number of working-class Americans that he was on their side. Well, then when it's time to deliver, and he's in office, and Republicans control the House and the Senate, they pushed through the biggest tax cut since 1986, a $1.9 trillion tax cut. That is more than double the size of the stimulus that President Obama put through in 2009. And where does most of that $1.9 trillion go? 83% of it goes to the richest 1%. Nothing in there for infrastructure. Really nothing for working families. In fact, 49 million Americans by the year 2025 will end up paying more in taxes, not less, in order to subsidize massive tax cuts for, frankly, the kind of people who hang out at Mar-a-Lago. Um, so I believe that if we run on that record in the midterms of 2018, focus on those sorts of meat and potatoes issues, we will take back the House.
1: You know, you talk about the, uh, the sales pitch that were given to, to, to Americans um, that, that often that crossed party lines. I'm just wondering, and I'll say this to Lou and I'll say it to you, Congressman, how many of them coal mines opened up states so, that were promised um, you know that that it, that individuals who are down on their luck and have had a difficult time because those coal mines closed and 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 um, economics have not gone their way. He promised them those things. How many of them coal mines have opened, reopened?
4: Not, not only that, if you look at what happened in Kentucky, they just they're trying to pass a law where coal miners who were sick from uh, black lung aren't going to be able to collect. They, the 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 the, co- the coal owners own everything. It's. Um, Uh, They have – there's five pulmonologists, and four of them work for the coal mines. Oh, it's unbelievable. You know, it's unbelievable. But I want to say on on a – you know, and ask your opinion of this, it seems like there's a turning point now with these teachers. And if you look at these teachers, they come from places that are now Republican strongholds but have as militant a labor background as there are – Kentucky, Oklahoma – West Virginia. I mean, these were places where there were bloody fights in the coal fields, and, and and it seems like the West Virginia teachers are listening to their fathers and grandfathers and not listening to the Trump uh, uh, rhetoric. Um, and do you see anything coming out of that, uh, Congressman? I, I have to say, what we've seen the last several months,
0: in especially in West Virginia and in Oklahoma, um, frankly, is uh, some of the most inspiring activism that I've seen in a very long time. And, you know, if you look at the last 20, 30 years in American history, there have been very few strikes. It's been uh, a relatively peaceful time in terms of labor activity. You know, um, we're at a point right now that the income inequality is so great. uh, Perhaps that needs to change. And I think that if we're really going to see Wage and benefit increases in some of these areas it's going to take what you saw in West Virginia. It's going to take what you're seeing in oklahoma uh, I think frankly that that's a good thing i I stand with them I mean metaphorically, I stand with them. I'm not obviously in those states, uh, but to see this sort of activism in deep red states gives me hope that a number of these folks who vote republican again. Because of other issues and the economic issues, I hope that they're starting to look at their paychecks, look at their situation and re-examine whether or not the Republican party is really in their best interest because we all know the Republican Party does not stand for those workers
1: and the interesting thing too is and we're talking about um, workers rights and and individuals labor show so you know we, we stand up for those those issues and uh, we talked. You talked about. You mentioned the Blue Collar C- Caucus. Uh, let's let's touch on that, if you will. The Blue Collar the Blue Collar Caucus and the Patriot Employer Act that you introduced, and also talk about Vice President Biden's recent participation with the caucus.
0: Yeah, you know, I was excited that um, Vice President Biden uh, accepted my my personal invitation to come address our caucus members. Uh, we're over forty. Uh, members now, which is, as far as these caucuses go, is a pretty sizable number. Um, Vice President Biden has, has not returned to Capitol Hill that often since leaving office. So the the fact that uh, he decided to accept our invitation was obviously a great honor. Um, and you know, I know from the private conversations that I've had with him, but then also what he said to our members uh, when he came and spoke to us is that he's someone who passionately believes that we need to renew and redouble our efforts to reconnect the blue-collar Americans from um, Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, and Scranton and Erie all the way through the Great Lakes and all the way to uh, the Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm hopeful based on, you know, some of the election results that we've seen since November, 2016, that this approach is going to prove real dividends. That's on the political side and on the policy side, You know, it's my view that when we talk about workers who have a limited education, um, you know, you look at someone like my dad who I I, I'll be lucky in life if I end up being half the man that he is given his work ethic, but he didn't have the same opportunities that I had. Um, He has a high school education. Um, If you look at America 2018, For workers like my dad, frankly, things are not better off than they were 30 years ago. There are fewer job opportunities for less pay. Well, Washington, D.C. has failed them. Why haven't we come up with strategies to address this? Folks like my dad, that's a large number of Americans. We can't just say, oh, well, go to college, and if you don't go to college, we have nothing to offer you. I'm sorry, but to me, that is not acceptable. Um so that's why I you know I've been so passionate about this blue collar caucus it's for the political reasons but also on on the policy side as well because we know that they go Hand in
3: hand, Congressman Brendan Boyle again joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly labor as we broadcast to you uh, live from Center City Philadelphia, uh, overlooking the Ben Franklin Bridge. Got the best view of the city, and we see uh, Lou those beautiful cranes out there, which means uh, Philadelphia uh, is at work right now. Congressman, as you um, as you analyze uh, what happens in Washington on a I don't know, an hour by hour basis, I guess, and, you know, and a daily basis. Uh, Do you stand in conviction that there is hope for a positive result when all of the dust is settled and everything shakes out? Um, Do you see the direction to be positive?
0: I do, actually, despite the the difficulties that we're currently in. Uh, You know, first, I mean, I wouldn't be in this. Uh, If I didn't uh, have that sort of hope and that sort of optimism, um, I I think that uh, it is warranted, though, because, you know, you look at previous cycles in American history, uh, we faced tougher challenges, we faced more difficult times, and we've gotten through them, and we've actually been stronger um, at the end of the process. And I don't think that this time in which we're living is, is any different. Um, it's not guaranteed. It takes real work. But I, I just think that, you know, what we have seen since November 2016, the reawakening of people on the left, um, that gives me hope. The sort of activism that we've seen, we talked about Oklahoma and West Virginia. You look at those high school kids and what they've started in order to stand up and finally deal as a country with our epidemic of gun violence. Um, you look at the fact that So many people are voting now, even in local elections. We had a massive increase in voter turnout uh, in the primary an off-off-year primary last year in Philadelphia compared to four and eight years ago. You know, so I I do uh, maintain that optimism, not just because I'm by nature an optimist, but because I really believe that it's justified and I wouldn't be in this fight uh, if I didn't firmly believe that tomorrow can be better than today.
4: Okay. Uh, hi, it's it's Lou again. First of all, I want to you know about what you said about college. Everybody's going to college, and we need forty thousand welders and probably twenty five thousand machine operators just on the East Coast. Right. Um, exactly. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Make a prediction. What the Democrats do with the midterms? Uh,
0: I I have already said, and I'll um, reiterate it uh, because I was I was actually one of the first to, to say this, and since, since I'm glad people have gotten on the bandwagon. I absolutely believe Democrats are going to win back the House. I think that the number that we win is going to exceed what we need to pick up, 24 seats coming into this cycle. I think we're probably going to win double that number. Um, The fact that we won a seat that uh, Trump won by 20 is the sort of sign uh, of what we're seeing out there. And I also believe that we have a real chance of picking off the Senate, even though the map is very much against us this cycle. I believe that when you have these big wave elections, they tend to go all one way. So if I had to place a money bet, which I may do from time to time, if I had to place a money bet uh, on the House and on the Senate, I would say Democrats control both after November.
3: That's good to hear. Congressman Brendan Boyle, uh, special thanks for your time on a Saturday night for joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Well done, my friend. Thank you, sir.
0: All right. Thanks, guys, and thanks for what you do.
4: Thank you, And thank you for helping us down in Washington of looking out for working people. I appreciate
3: it. Take care. All right. Good stuff from Brendan Boyle here uh, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We kind of blew through that uh, commercial break, but uh, felt it was necessary to stay uh, involved in the conversation. We'll get to our break here uh, now uh, when we come back after the break. On the other side, Madeline Dean uh, will join us. She'll follow Congressman Brendan Boyle back in a moment. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Shout out to our entire listening audience on a Saturday night tuning in. And a special thanks to uh, Congressman Brendan Boyle. If you missed any of that opening interview uh, with Brendan, be sure to check it out uh, and listen to it uh, on the podcast. Covered a lot of good information, a lot of good topics, and a lot of great sound bites. J-Doc, from the congressman. Uh, And, of course, we'll have it up on WPHT uh, on the podcast page.
1: Absolutely. And we appreciate the congressman um, not only calling in, but spending like the whole half hour with us. I mean, literally speaking, we, he was set for an 11-minute segment, and we blew through the break, and it was just a lot of stuff going on, and so fantastic. Well, when you have Lou Eger
3: in the studio, things happen. Things You're happen. Right, Lou? Have, <laughs> I, uh, try, I try, I try. Jay Dox said you were a fireball. You were a firecracker. <laughs> oh, yeah, listen, yeah, uh, Do go, the best I can. And we go from Congressman <laughs> Brendan Boyle uh, to State Rep. Madeline Dean is joining us. She's now a candidate for Congress in the new 4th uh, Congressional District, and we welcome her in on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Madeline Madeline Dean, a good Saturday evening to you, and thanks for joining us.
2: Well, it's my pleasure, and it's uh, quite an honor to be with you and to follow my former colleague Brendan Boyle.
4: Hey, Madeline, it's Lou Ager, and always one of my favorite Montgomery County politicians. Uh, oh, and we you, appreciate man. all you've done for us in the State House, and hopefully, you can go on and do more for us in the United States Congress. Uh, we had Brendan, on. I don't know if you heard it, uh, but we're going to ask you the same question we asked Brendan, and. Uh, Lately, um, when you see that sometimes there seems to be like a little bit of tension between the economic voters, economic issue voters, and the social issue voters – and, and especially in the Democratic Party. In the Republican Party, there's not that problem. Right. Um, but uh, – and running especially from a district like uh, the Seed, the 4th, the the, the where there's a real cross-section of people from the richest, you know, neighborhoods in the area to, like, the, the, the blue-collar enclaves of uh, Ambler and um, some of the other – Norristown and how Do you see – What do you see as the best way to put the coalition together so we can have the social issue voters and the economic issue voters, so we can build a a working governing coalition and the Democratic Party can build a long-term governing coalition?
2: I I think it's a great question. It's a great challenge to anybody running for office and anybody serving. Uh, But Lou, you and I have talked about this. It's something I feel like I do every day in my public service, which is to say, you got to represent both. You have to be there interested in both social issues and economic in- uh, interests. Uh, and economic interests, in some ways, uh, trump uh, the other things. Um, for example, when I ran for office and as I run for office, uh, I uh, talk about three things that really matter. Education, how we educate our kids, the economy and jobs, and ethical good government. So if you skip right to the economy uh, and good-paying jobs, um, I find that every day in my public service, I am working on issues that matter to working people. Uh, and at the same time, I'm working on issues uh, that people are caring about, as you call them, uh, social uh, interest voters. I don't think uh, an effective public servant uh, thinks that he or she can just go down one lane. I think you have to represent everybody's rights. Everybody has to be at the table so that you are protecting. You know, you talked about Montgomery County and the new PA four. We have very, very wealthy people, we have working people, we have working poor. Um, In my office, uh, we see the the whole gamut uh, of of that. And so in my public service, I believe that everybody has to be at the table, and the protection of of both sets of issues are important to me in, in what I do in the legislature.
1: You know, uh, Representative, uh, If you, when, when you listen to uh, Saturday Night Live and Philly Labor, when you listen to the broadcast, you, you know, you may hear a, a soundbite from John Doherty, who was our former co-host. And one of the things he said, I think it was the first, it was literally the first show we ever did. So we had John Doherty and Pat Eiding and me and, me and Krause. And, and 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 John Doherty says, he, you know, because he represents uh, labor, uh, that he doesn't get involved in discussions. Uh, that you know don't involve his workers. It doesn't mean that he doesn't support them because during that prog- during that show, and I think Joe Krauss will he'll remember it. He 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 surely supports uh, these social issues. And I guess my point is, we don't have to just because we're in one lane doesn't mean you know we have to be against the other lane or compromise our standards. Uh, it, it, if if you have the right intentions people you let those in each individual lane be themselves and we can all succeed together because i think at the end of the day we all have a common goal well
2: that's interesting you raise john uh, and from what i know about john is you're absolutely right he cares deeply about uh, working people uh, union workers but he does not do that at the sacrifice of respect for the other issues exactly uh, it, you, you don't have to pick and choose and in fact the best among us, respect both sides of this and find a way to dovetail those things, to talk about and protect uh, union workers and and the the things that matter to their family and to their work. Um, At the same time, be able to make sure you respect uh, folks with the other issues that are social and important to us also.
4: You know, uh you know, and a lot of the social issues are economic issues, immigration, mm-hmm. um, equal pay for women. but I can tell you the one place women always get equal pay, and that's in a union shop, that's right <laughs> always exactly right right so, so so there's not you know, some of the issues do dovetail together. Um, look, we got to get the immigrants to be legal, so because they get exploited not because they're immigrants, but because illegal. and I always tell people, my grandmother learned English in a uh, in a union hall. When she came to America and, 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 and people that came to America, and every time labor has been down, they've been brought back by immigrants.
1: And, and the important thing is this, you know, what, what, so this, this is an important uh, conversation because it's our party conversation. And so what ends up happening is when there's a disillusion in a party because um, you know, some some voters, some Democrats are, are purely voting on economic issues, some are, uh, vo- you know, vo- many are voting on social issues. It, it, what happened in the last election was a lot of them cross party lines. And in order for us to, to, to succeed as a party, I think we all have to take in consideration each other's issues and not fight amongst ourselves but work together and accept each other for who we are.
2: I think that's right. And what you just pointed out is you're doing exactly that. Sure, you care about uh, better pay and benefits and security and, and bargaining rights and quality work and productivity and retirement ability. You care about all of that, but you can't do it at the expense of individual rights as well. Um, so I, I think you're talking about the best of, of what your advocacy is, but also the best of what we should demand of our public servants.
4: You know, one of the things I always say, we were always a movement before we were a union, and mm. we have to be a movement again.
1: Uh, M- Madeline, l- l- let's talk about your platform. Tell us, um, you know, let- let's-, let's talk about, you know, some of the issues that are important to you that you're p- that you're pledging once you're in Washington uh, that are going to be important to you.
2: Well, I hope you'll take a look, and Lou knows my work in the Pennsylvania House. I have been a fighter for uh, middle-class uh, Pennsylvanians. I've been a fighter. I'm a fighter for, for my constituents, but I am a, an active fighter willing to speak up, not willing to be silenced, not allowing to, myself to be silenced uh, when I see injustice. So you've seen in the Pennsylvania House the sort of stuff that we have had to beat back, whether it was last uh, December, maybe it was, with the Paycheck Protection Bill, uh, right-to-work stuff. Um I, I am a fighter against the hypocrisy and the false language of some of this legislation that we see coming forward. Uh, Lou knows that I um, used to teach before I came to my public service in my 50s. I taught at LaSalle University. and taught writing. And particularly um, troubling to me is, are the euphemisms that we see in uh, legislation that pretends to be one thing and is masked by false words like right to work or paycheck protection. Absolutely. That offends me. It, it, and and we know it is a disguise for trying to hurt uh, organized labor, trying to hurt um, workers' benefits and right um, to uh, organize. Um, so that's just the kind of person I am. Some of the things I, I seem to stand for, they a lot of them begin with ease. As I said, education. I am certain how we educate our kids determines not just their future but our own. Uh, and it, following education is jobs in our economy. We know how interconnected that is. As we educate our kids, let them become more productive citizens, whether they go on to college or they go on to different kinds of workforce training or they go on to skilled labor. Um, All of those things, as we raise the vote on how we educate our kids, we're going to increase the quality of the jobs that they can go into. Uh, We're going to grow union jobs, which is what we need to be doing. Um, And I guess uh, something I fight for very uh, strongly are, you talked about women's rights, um, but equal pay for women, uh, increased minimum wage, um, protection of union workers. The final thing that I'll raise to you um, is the the other E that I always talk about is ethics and good government. Uh, We ought to expect and demand nothing less than ethical behavior out of our public servants. I think it's an extraordinarily uh, high responsibility, a high calling. Uh, And so uh, that's what I want to make sure that I always model, that uh, I'm transparently showing what expenses I have. Uh, I never take um, that which uh, would be at all taxpayer money that would not be appropriate. Um, We have to expect of our public servants Um, the highest fight and the highest ethical behavior
3: Madeline Dean joining us here on talk radio 1210 WPHT as we come to you on a Saturday night uh, in the Delaware Valley Madeline let me ask you about um, the topic of gun violence Uh, it is now uh, front and center um, the Parkland shooting um, the mass rally the fear of the NRA, uh, all of that now seems to have moved to a point where it's real conversation or it's now conversation um, that we have to have. We may not want to have it, but we have to have it. Your thoughts?
2: Oh, I thank you for asking me about that. I think you know that that's something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I've cared about the issue of gun violence my entire adult life. I took my kids to the Million Mom March back in 2000 when they were quite young. Now they're grown men. Um, I when I came to the Pennsylvania House in 2012, uh, we had the horrible, horrifying occurrence that was Sandy Hook and the slaughter of those babies. I formed the PA Safe Caucus. uh, And just to tell you something about the way I behave and the way I fight, I was told that freshmen should not start a caucus. And I said, well, I didn't get that memo. I'm going to start the caucus. And so we have uh, a group of like-minded legislators. And I'm proud to tell you, very recently, following the Parkland shooting, we now have a bipartisan uh, coalition of legislators. It was at first just Democrats. We now have some Republican members. We also, and maybe you saw this, uh, for the very first time in my time in Harrisburg, just had three days' worth of hearings on gun violence. We've introduced legislation session after session not to take anyone's guns away, not to restrict the legal right. uh, ownership of guns. I have no interest in that. My son is an avid hunter. He's taken me sports shooting. I'm not actually bad. Exactly. At it. <laughs> uh, but uh, we can do, and I think we have a moral obligation to do something to reduce gun violence. When 33,000 people a year die in this country of gun, gun violence, another 80,000 are caught in the crossfire. Uh, you know, seven children a day. Uh, By that, I mean anybody 18 and under die in this country of gun violence. Uh, We must do something about it. So to your earlier point about a movement, boy, oh boy, I think we're in the moment of a movement. Those Parkland students are leading us, uh, and I hope that they are shining a light on the fact that uh, would-be leaders need to do something at the federal level, most especially. But I'll keep fighting at the state level,
1: too. And, you know, we talk about you, you said something. Nobody wants and this is my opinion. I mean, to, to kind of dovetail uh, on what you said, I don't want to see guns. And, uh, obviously, I, I, I think uh, the right to bear arms is important. But I mean, and yes. I'm, I'm not a gun enthusiast, but I don't think you should be able to buy a, a, a I, I don't know the terminology, but a machine gun, anything that could rapidly fire and kill tons of individuals bef- before before. Um, law enforcement gets to the scene. I mean, it just seems like common sense stuff, and the NRA turns it into something that is, I, I think, not the intentions of most Americans. I believe strongly that if, if you take the guns away of, uh, from Americans, the only uh, the only individuals that will have the guns are the criminals. So we can't allow that. We all, I mean, I'm not going to say we all, but I, I know that most of the people I know, most of the people in my union um, are pro-gun, uh, but just... The assault weapons are, you know, th- those things that you shouldn't be able to get over the counter that aren't hunting guns.
2: That's right. Uh, you know, I recently, I don't know about you, but uh, following Las Vegas, I have to admit I never heard of a bump stock before Las Vegas. But that's the example you just used where uh, a, a shooter over the course of just a couple, several minutes, gunned down 58 people using a bump stock device that turned his semi-automatic weapon into almost a machine gun, firing at a rate of nearly 600 rounds a minute. Insanity. Uh, That is a weapon beyond a weapon of war. Uh, No law enforcement wants to face something like that. So we introduced uh, the bump stock ban, and I'm hoping it is something that will be among the pieces of legislation that will be considered and voted on in our committee and on the floor. Um, You know, law enforcement is with us on this. Uh, NRA members are with, with us on this. Right. Uh, 95% of uh, Pennsylvanians believe we ought to have background checks for all uh, transactions with guns.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, here's the thing. I, I don't think on political lines when I'm thinking about this. I don't sit there because I know there's some people that are militant about this, and I'm a Democrat, and that makes me, you know, a left wing. Not at all. I don't I don't ask people for uh, uh, opinions, my, my friends that are Democrats or Republicans. It's just a common sense thing where, yeah. you know, you just, you don't want the, the, the individuals out there, you know, who, I mean, listen, people talk about mental illness, right? and yeah. that, that, that it's a mental illness issue okay i i think there's i don't know what the exact amount of, of 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 individuals unfortunately that have been struck with mental illness i'm compassionate to them i've had some in my own family and and so i'm very compassionate but if it's a mental illness issue it's very unlikely that we're going to be able to solve mental illness for 40 some million americans and so it's just a common sense thing to me, and, 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 and I think that you, you would think that that the NRA would would, would look at it that, that way instead of taking it as something as people don't want people to have guns. It's just ridiculous.
4: well, one of, the prob- well it- one of the things we're under the assumption that the NRA represents gun owners, and they don't anymore they're, they're a lobbying uh, organization for gun manufacturers, and that's why they um, they don't they don't really want to. You know, talk about education and firearm safety and anything like that. They just want, you know, their 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 patrons to sell more guns. But um, you're, I'm sorry, you're go ahead. absolutely
2: right. No, you're you're absolutely right. And and they are parting company with their membership, which uh, you know, if you take a look back a couple of decades ago, NRA supported the background checks, um, but now they have gone away from strict advocacy for their members, and really, it's very clear that they are advocating just for uh, manufacturers and greater sales of guns, regardless of the outcome. All
1: right,
4: moving on to something else. Uh, What do you see as the biggest issues facing Congress next term? Hopefully, you'll be be at the table.
2: Well, I thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, I certainly hope to be there. Uh, I think it's a historic time. Uh, For me, it's my public service meeting these new fair districts uh, at a time in our country Uh, when we have uh, very serious problems on the table, and we have an administration that uh, uh, is is struggling to uh, care about the truth, uh, is is struggling to care about ethical good government, Uh, I want to be a part of uh, working on things like um, making sure uh, access to health care, making sure families uh, have access to education, whether it's early childhood education or interest-free student debt, the things that make working families, middle-class families, that are all across Montgomery County in diverse ways, move their families forward. We seem to be going backward in in many ways um, with attacks on working families, um, with attacks on, on, frankly, um, the truth and good government. So I hope to be there. I hope to be a part of... uh, problem solving in a bipartisan way and not in a vitriolic way uh, for the things that really the core values that matter to families.
3: Madeline Dean joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT uh, on a Saturday night. It's Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. Just a minute left in our uh, segment, uh, Madeline. I want to ask you about right in uh, you know right in Montgomery County, right at the court, right at the courthouse in Norristown. Uh, the trial, the Bill Cosby trial, uh, is uh, now um, front and center, uh, and, and perhaps representing um, in a pinnacle kind of a way the Me Too movement and and uh, and and the fight against uh, sexual assault, uh, comment on that for me, if you will, please.
2: Well, there's another movement, and and I come at this from a couple perspectives. I, I was a lawyer as a young woman, so I call myself a recovering lawyer. So mm-hmm. I have great respect for the rule of law uh, and that people should get their fair day in court. Uh, I recognize uh, that in this case, uh, there's quite a, a media circus around it. Uh, and a, a grave sadness over um, uh, somebody who has been uh, an important cultural figure in, in uh, our, our American culture, Bill Cosby. But it is vitally important that people get their day in court, that women not be silenced. Uh, so uh, I, I I give kudos to the brave women who are coming forward with the Me Too movement. Let it be. Uh, the beginning of the end of the uh, just unfair treatment of women and the shaming of women and uh, the, the imbalance that often happens, whether it's in a workplace or, or elsewhere. Um, I believe in the rule of law. I believe in um, the court giving uh, victims their, their day in court. And I also, of course, believe in a, a full and fair defense. So it's it's in many ways a, a very sad retrial for us.
3: Madeline Dean joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, AFL-CIO-endorsed candidate for Congress, the new 4th Congressional uh, District. Madeline, we thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you. Back here live on Saturday Night Live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. If you miss any of tonight's broadcast, certainly go to uh, WPHT.com. You'll find the uh, broadcast on the podcast. Uh, Good stuff from Congressman Brendan Boyle uh, and Madeline Dean, who joined us in the last half hour, J-Doc.
1: Yeah, no, just a riveting conversation on both parties. Um, certainly the conversation with congressman brendan boyle um you know it's you know every time you turn on the tv um or even on the internet it's a very volatile time in washington dc we talk about syria we didn't really get into that a lot on today's show because there's so many other things happening but uh, a madman over there gassing his own people okay and as americans um obviously uh, proud Americans, you know, want to want to obviously give a shout out to our to our troops over there that are in harm's way. Uh, but also want to thank them for what they're doing. And I, I, I firmly believe that what we're doing in this country, sticking up for innocent people over there that are getting gassed by a madman, which is just unbelievably confusing because he knows what's coming. Um, but but uh, our prayer, thoughts and prayers with them individuals, uh, the victims over there, and uh, thoughts and
3: prayers with our, our military and thanking them for what they do. Also, special thanks to Lou Ager, who was in the studio for the entire hour of the broadcast tonight. Oops, you did it again, Lou. Nice job tonight.
4: Thank you, Joe. I just have one more thing to say is go Sixers, go Flyers.
0: Woo! Yeah, good stuff. Good
3: time in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, uh, coming up at the top of the hour as we get ready to say goodnight to you on a Saturday night. Christine Flowers will be along. She'll take you uh, into the night. A couple of programming reminders for Saturday Night Live at Philly Labor. Uh, one week from tonight... Uh, our one-hour sit-down with AFL-CIO President Pat Eiding. Uh, that will be next week, next Saturday night, still to come uh, at the end of the month. Our uh, monthly roundtable, labor leader roundtable, Jay Doc will be back live on location uh, at a great spot in Center City, uh, the Sinesta Hotel, and we'll be there for another labor-liber roundtable again.
1: Absolutely, we get we get that uh, Lou had the uh, pleasure of being a part of. It. Looking forward to it.
3: All right, all good stuff again. Special thanks to uh, Lou Eger for being here in the studio. Well done, Lou. Thank you very much for my partner, Jay Doc uh, as well. Uh, and for our guests tonight on the big show, Brendan Boyle and uh, Madeline Dean. For all of our listeners around the Delaware Valley who tune in weekly to talk Radio 1210 WPHT and tune in on a Saturday night. I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. This
2: program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.